Hi, I'm Steve Anderson, author of The Bezos Letters, 14 Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon. And this is the next in a series of shows that I've done uh, talking about the book and the principles. And really, very specifically, we're in the mode of talking about the four cycles. So those, again, are test, build, accelerate, and scale. And today we're going to focus on the scale cycle and the principles that are part of that particular cycle. So what does scale mean? Well, <clears throat> at Amazon, scaling is how you achieve tremendous growth. And, and I think we can agree that Amazon certainly has grown and appears to be continuing to grow. But without sacrificing who you are uh, or what you offer. Uh, it, and it requires creating and maintaining an inventive culture and a culture that's willing to take risk on behalf of your customer. So scaling means a committed focus on maintaining high standards and not sacrificing quality to achieve greater profitability. And again, as a company grows, that always can be a tendency to compromise on standards because you need more people, you need to grow uh, faster. But effectively scaling is not allowing that to creep in as a particular problem. Um, it means focusing on the right metrics, on data, um, but not ignoring anecdotal information or intuition. You know, you, you as a business owner got here because of what you know and how you have been able to synthesize information and put it together and, and really trust your gut. And we'll talk about that principle. And it means always above all things, make decisions as if it's your first day in business uh, with passion and focus on your customer. It's thinking like a startup. And Amazon does that even today. I mean, it's hard to kind of get our heads around the idea that Amazon employees, <clears throat> Bezos, senior leadership team, think of themselves as a startup. And as they come in every day to work, having that mindset, and again, we'll talk more in detail about that. One of the things that just really intrigued me about this scaling at Amazon is how they've been able to grow and maintain that inventive and risk-taking culture. And even the last couple of years, certainly the pandemic had an impact on everyone, including Amazon. And last year in 2020, Amazon added 500,000 employees to their roles. That's an astounding number, an astounding um, way of managing. How do you do that and maintain what they've built in terms of culture, et cetera? So that's what this cycle is all about. Well, let's take a look at the principles that are included in this cycle. And the first one, which is principle number 11, is called maintain your culture. So like I just said, how do you add 500,000 employees? 
and maintain your culture? How do you have 1.3 million employees worldwide and maintain your culture? Well, and it's, it's not by accident. It's by design and it's by intentionality. Um, Bezos says in his 97 letter, remember that's the very first one, quote, we are working to build something important, something that matters. Uh, and so from the very beginning, he had in mind this idea of legacy and being intentional about the culture they create. He talks again about it in the 2015 letter saying, we never claimed our approach is the right one. It's just ours. And over the last two decades, we've collected a large group of like-minded people, folks who find our approach energizing and meaningful. Uh, and again, intentionality in terms of how they hire. Um, he goes on to say, we challenge ourselves to not only invent outward facing features, but also to find better ways to do things internally, things that will both make us more effective and benefit our thousands of employees from around the world. And that was in 2013. Well, again, they appear to be doing some things right in this particular arena. And there's some indicators there. Um, Wall Street Journal and the Drucker Institute uh, every year for the last few years have, um, what's the right word? Not appointed, not addressed, not uh, picked. That's probably the right word. The top 250 best managed companies. And in 2018, Amazon was number one. And in 2020, Amazon was number two. Again, external 35 different measurements of uh, management. Now, now, all kinds of different things they looked at uh, from Peter Drucker, again, a management guru, multiple books, uh, very instrumental in helping uh, leaders, business leaders understand what they do and how they should go about doing it. LinkedIn, right? Platform for professionals uh, in 2020 looked at their data and did an article enlisting the companies where people want to work and, and where they stay. And Amazon in 2020 was number three. And in literally just a couple of months ago in 2021, were the number one company where employees wanted to work. So those are just some indicators of the culture at Amazon that is drawing employees to them. So how do they go about doing that? Well, I, I think there's a couple of things that uh, takeaways of what Amazon does that any business can look at. First is leadership principles. Now I address these in the book and I'm not gonna go have time to go through all of them, but there are 14 leadership principles that have been developed over the last 25 years. Uh, they started out with about six and kind of continually added other principles, but these are what guide leaders at Amazon. And they, they aren't just a vision statement. They aren't just a plaque on a wall. 
they are incorporated into everything that employees do at Amazon. They're always asking if we do this, whatever that might be, does that fit our leadership principles? Is it doing the things that we need? And again, it's a reinforcement of what the culture is at Amazon and training new employees as they come in to fit into that culture. There are also some things they did to remember the early days. And, and one of the more interesting ones to me is called the door desk. So the story is, and go on Amazon, it's published, you know, several places, but early on when Bezos was packaging with somebody else, books, you know, into packages to take to the post office and mail out, they were on their hands and knees. And he said, my knees are killing me. We need to get knee pads. And the person employee that was working next to him and said, no, you know, we don't need knee pads. We need packing tables. And Amazon, Amazon, Bezos basically said, that's brilliant. And went to one of the big box, you know, stores, I think it was a Home Depot, as the story goes. And again, being frugal, not wanting to spend money on things that don't impact a, a customers, realized that he could buy a, a solid core door and four by fours and some brackets and actually create packing tables. And they did that and they were called door desks. And, and early pictures of Bezos in his office, he's got one of those door desks as the desk that he's he's working at. Now, what, what does that do? Well, it's a reminder of early days. It's a reminder of being frugal, actually one of the leadership principles. It's a reminder to new employees that we do things differently here at Amazon. So DoorDesk is, again, what are things that you could do in your business to remind employee of the early days and incorporate that into the culture. Uh, another is the use of the term share owners. Now, again, small little thing, but when Bezos started writing the shareholder letters, that's what he said, dear shareholder. Well, he's first used the term share owners, meaning you own a share in Amazon, you actually are an owner at Amazon. And using that concept to help all employees understand that we all are part owners or need to be. So he first used that in the 2002 letter, and then he changed the salutation from dear shareholder to dear share owner and used that in every subsequent letter, but started that in 2007. He also started a couple of... Um, awards, you know, the uh, actually door desk award for somebody who came up with a, you know, a, an idea to help reduce expenses internally. Uh, there's also the just do it award, which literally is a tennis shoe sneaker that is presented to someone to this day. Uh, it's still an award that's presented who comes up with a idea on how to better serve customers. Um, and implements it and uh, it has impact on their own. So again, all of these things are bits and pieces of how you help a culture develop within your organization. And so that's, a, a, again, a very 
key, certainly as you scale, that you don't lose sight of building and maintaining the culture that you have at your company. So principle number 12, the second one in the scale cycle, is called focus on high standards. And I have to say, Bezos talks about that in the very first, again, 1997 letter. Um, and it, it is something that Amazon's getting pushback on right now. You hear, you know, lots of commentary from outside about the, the difficulty of working um, at Amazon, the culture that's part of how they maintain, pick and maintain high standards. So again, as I do, I quote out of the share owner letters. This is the 2017 letter. And what Bezos says is building a culture of high standards is well worth the effort. And there are many benefits. Naturally and most obviously, you're going to build better products and services for customers. This would be reason enough. Perhaps a little less obvious, people are drawn to high standards. They help with recruiting and retention. More subtle, a culture of high standards is protective of all the invisible but crucial work that goes on in every company. I'm talking about the work that no one sees, the work that gets done when no one is watching. In a high standards culture, doing that work well is its own reward. It's part of what it means to be a professional. And again, that's from the 2017 letter. So certainly some pushback on maintaining high standards and the benefit, is that a reason why LinkedIn has Amazon as the number one place to work? Partly because high quality people are drawn to high standards organization. And that's that comment he makes about they help with recruiting and retention. A-level people want to work with other A-level people. And what's interesting to me is following Amazon for the number of years that I have and reading a lot of various stuff when, when you know, typically reporters talk about, quote, the brutal workforce or the brutal workplace culture at Amazon, what they're saying is it's high standards and people are held to high standards. And when you talk to, and for me, either talk to or more likely read commentary from people who no longer work at Amazon, they probably acknowledge in most cases, yes, it was a difficult place to work, and one of the best places I learned the most. I really appreciate my time, Derek. So there's this interesting dichotomy going on about maintaining high standards and difficulty of, of doing that. Well, how does Amazon maintain high standards? Well, certainly in their hiring process. And I, again, I want to quote out of the original 1997 letter because it sort of gives you a little bit of an idea. Quoting from Bezos, it's not easy to work here. 
And when I interview people, I tell them, you can work long, hard, or smart. But at Amazon, you can't choose two out of three. But, and, and I mentioned this quote before, we are working to build something important, something that matters to our customers, something that we all can tell our grandchildren about. Such things aren't meant to be easy. We are incredibly fortunate to have this group of dedicated employees whose sacrifices and passion built Amazon.com. So again, focusing on high standards, but having that vision for we are building something important. And how do you communicate that in your company or as you're scaling, as you're adding 10 or 50 or 100 new employees or more, are you compromising your hiring standards? Well, at Amazon, they, they work at not. I won't say they're successful all the time, but they have some things in place that they use as tools to help maintain the high quality and high standards of employees that come in to work there. Well, in the 1998 letter, Bezos uh, talks about hiring and he says, during our hiring meetings, we ask people to consider three questions before making a decision. Will you admire this person is question number one. If you think about the people you've admired in your life, you're probably being people you've been able to learn from or take an example from. So will you admire this person? Will this person, second question, will this person raise the average level of effectiveness of the group they're entering? Will they, quote, raise the bar? And I ask people to visualize the company five years from now. At that point, each of us should look around and say, the standards are so high now boy, I'm glad I got in when I did. So continually raising those standards. And the third question, which I think is maybe the most interesting, among what dimension might this person be a superstar? And interestingly enough, he goes on to describe somebody at that point, again, this is 1998, early on in Amazon's history, where one of their employees was a um, um, spelling bee champion. I, want to, I wanted to say high school, I don't think that's right, but a spelling bee champion, meaning what dimension other than just work skills and capability might this person be able to bring? And I think what Bezos is looking at is how creative are they? Do they have other passions that they can bring to the job? Well, one of the tools that Amazon uses to help maintain those high standards is called bar raisers. Bar raisers are a group of handpicked people within the company who have demonstrated success at hiring people with very high standards and who have received specialized training. And in many jobs, certainly for more higher level jobs, the interview process always includes this person, a bar raiser, and they have 
quite a bit of control over a higher or not higher decision, again, based on their experience with being able to identify those that can fit into a high standards company. Um, and so maintaining high standards is key to effective scaling and growing. And I will mention one of the leadership principles here, which is insist on high standards. And I'm going to quote it. Leaders have relentlessly high standards. Many people may think these standards are unreasonably high. And I think from the outside, that's part of what people are seeing at Amazon. Those are unreasonably high standards. Leaders are continually, again, I'm quoting from the leadership principle, leaders are continually raising the bar and drive their teams to deliver high quality products, services, and processes. Leaders ensure that defects don't get sent down the line and that problems are fixed so they stay fixed. High standards. I'm going to go to the last letter that Bezos wrote, the 2021 letter came out in April of this year. And I'm going to quote kind of that one of the last paragraphs. Here's what he says. As always, I attach our 1997 shareholder letter. It concluded with this. We at Amazon.com are grateful for our customers for their business and trust to each other for our hard work and to our shareholders for their support and encouragement. That hasn't changed a bit. And then he segues a little bit. I want to especially thank Andy Jassy for agreeing to take over the CEO role. It's a hard job with lots of responsibility. Andy is brilliant and has the highest of high standards. I guarantee you that Andy won't let the universe make us typical. He will muster the energy needed to keep alive in us what makes us special. That won't be easy, but it is critical. I also predict it will be satisfying and oftentimes fun. Thank you, Andy. Again, what attracted me to this was Andy Jassy, new CEO, currently, actually for the next few days when I'm recording this, the CEO of Amazon Web Services and largely responsible for building AWS and scaling AWS into what it is today, but having the highest of high standards and what he will bring and not allow Amazon in this leadership change to not continue to maintain that. So high standards, maintain high standards, principle number 12. Well, principle number 13, measure what matters, question what's measured and trust your gut. So, Amazon absolutely is a data-driven company. They measure everything. That's part of the reason why shopping on their website is so personal. 
you see things that you might like based on your buying history, based on what you've read in books, based on the music you've listened to. All of those things are part of the data that Amazon gathers about you to help you make the shopping experience easier for you. And data's core. And again, quoting 2005 letter, many of the important decisions we make at Amazon can be made with data. There's a right answer or a wrong answer, a better answer or a worse answer. And math tells us which is which. These are our favorite kinds of decisions. But he goes on to say, and, and so core, right? Measure what matters. Math-based decisions command wide agreement, whereas judgment-based decisions are rightly debated and often controversial, at least until put into practice and demonstrated. That's part of going back to that first cycle, right? Encourage successful failure until we test, put it in place, and decide if it's going to work or not. So he goes on in the 2005 letter, any institution unwilling to endure controversy must limit itself to decisions of the first type. In our view, doing so would not only limit controversy, it would also significantly limit innovation and long-term value creation. And again, you can see other principles that we've talked about come out here. Uh, principle number three, practice dynamic invention and innovation. Principle number, if I forgot, <laughs> uh, apply long-term thinking. That's why these principles are so helpful, I think, to other businesses. Are you working on principles in your organization? And then in the 2018 letter, this is, we'll probably have more to talk about here, but Bezos talks about wandering in business. And he says, 2018, wandering in business is not efficient, but it's also not random. It's guided by hunch, gut, intuition, curiosity, and powered by a deep conviction that the prize for customers is big enough that it's worth being a little messy and tangential to find our way there. So, that's all about measuring everything, questioning what's measured, and trusting your gut. Well, Amazon measures and tests all kinds of things. They have an internal platform called WebLab where they use so to test uh, different iterations of the website, for example, called A-B testing. So they change one aspect and then they find out and get the metrics for how many more people clicked or how fewer people clicked, et cetera. So they can tell what they should build uh, or incorporate as something new within the process. But what's interesting to me is again, in uh, this is 2013 letter, Bezos talks about his email address and he says, I still, have an email address that customers can write to. It's jeff at amazon.com. Now this is 2013. I'm not sure this statement's true anymore, but I see most of those emails. I'm not sure he does anymore, but he has a team that I do know that looks at those emails. 
I don't answer many of them anymore, but I see them and I forward some of them, the ones that catch my curiosity, I forward them to the executives in charge of that area with a question mark. What is that? It's shorthand for look into this and find out why there's a problem. What's happening? What's going on? And, and this really goes to trust your gut and question what's measured, right? So that anecdotal information is a piece of data that Amazon and Bezos doesn't just dismiss, but actually incorporates in their decision process. Um, and, and here's what, again, a quote, here's what he says in his own words. The thing I have noticed is that when and anecdotes and the data disagree, meaning somebody's questioning this, but the data says something else, the anecdotes are usually right. There's something wrong with the way you're measuring it. And that's why this principle is phrased the way it is. Measure what matters, absolutely. Question what's measured using anecdotal information to make sure either you're measuring the right thing or it's telling you the right thing, and then trust your gut. Sometimes you just have to make a decision even when it's controversial. The last principle, number 14, believe it's always day one. And you've heard that a little bit already. 2018 letter and actually almost every letter he's written toward the end says something like, as always, I attach a copy of our original 1997 letter. It remains day one. So day one is really representative of all of the principles, the leadership principles and my growth principles. It's a, it's a mindset that Amazon's still a startup, even as big as they are, and even with as many employees as they are. It's a mindset that keeps them experimenting. It keeps them inventing on behalf of the customer. It keeps that vitality in the organization. And I think that's one of the things that surprises people the most. How can Amazon continue to invent? Well, I think it's this day one mindset. And Bezos was asked in an all-hands meeting, Jeff, what does day two look like? And actually, you can go on YouTube and, and uh, there's a video of him answering that question. But here's what he says. Day two is stasis followed by irrelevance, followed by excruciating, painful decline, followed by death. And that is why it's always day one. And he writes about this in the 2016 letter. And he goes on to say in that letter, I'm interested in the question, how do you fend off day two? As a large organization, there's lots of pressure. In fact, I don't have time to talk about it today, but go and get a copy of the 2021 letter because he talks about the universe trying to kind of squish you into 
uh, irrelevance. And, and that's the beginning of thinking like a day two company. But he's interested in the question, how do I fend off day two? There are techniques and tactics. How do you keep the vitality of day one, even inside a large organization? And he, he answers his own question. They, there are many elements, and quoting again, there are many elements, multiple paths, and many traps. I don't know the whole answer, but I may know bits of it. Here's a starter pack of essentials for day one defense. Number one, customer obsession. We talked about that in the build cycle as one of the principles, customer obsession. Number two, skeptical view of proxies. And that really has to do with customer obsession too, because in, in Bezos vocabulary, proxies represent processes and procedures that are put in place and are necessary, but if they take on too much importance so that they never can be changed based on the customer's needs, then you should be skeptical. So having flexibility in your process and procedures. Number three, eager adoption of external trends. And, and this one really resonates with me simply because of where I spend my time looking at technology development and trends that are coming and how will they impact businesses and what's the advantage or what's the disadvantage of those technologies. But eager adoption of those external trends and he goes on to talk about one of those trends right now. Again, the 2016 letter, you know, is, is machine learning, or he calls it artificial intelligence, which certainly is a trend. And as a business, are you eagerly adopting or experimenting with how that might work and help your own business and help the customers that you deal with? So eager, number three, eager adoption of external trends. And number four, we talked about this, high velocity decision making. And remember we talked about one-way doors and two-way doors and type one and type two, but day two companies tend to make decision making into a uh, bureaucratic process, not a fast, let's make a decision and default to action. So those are starter pack of essentials for defense, customer obsession, skeptical view of proxies, eager adoption of external trends, and high velocity decision making. And so I'll wrap this up with the last quote from the 2021 letter from Jeff Bezos, and again, reinforces this idea. To all of you, be kind, be original, create more than you consume, and never, never, never let the universe smooth you into your surroundings. It remains day one. So thanks for watching. Uh, we'll have another show next week. I'm not quite sure what the topic will be yet, but I look forward to uh, spending some time with you.